Welcome to the Indian Journal of Law and Public Policy podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to the second season of the IGLPP podcast. I'm your host Pranav Tawar, consulting editor at IGLPP. Here we discuss major happenings of the legal and policy field. Today, for the 7th episode, we have a very special guest, Mr. Alok Prasanna Kumar. Mr. Alok is co-founder and lead Vidhi Karnataka as most of you of you will already know him through his writings on EPW or the Hindu Indian Express different journals and or his questions on quiz groups on Facebook one of his areas of interest is constitutional law including reservation or affirmative action and that is where i'm going to interact with him today so thank you mr alok for taking out time and i welcome you to the podcast my pleasure pranav and thank you so much for inviting me to the podcast beginning with one of the most important developments in this field and that is 103rd constitutional law amendment which introduces 10% reservation for EWS of society for admission to central government run education institutions and private education institutions and for employment as well and then there are few qualification attached to it so starting with the economic criteria as the basis for affirmative action does the constitution or constitutional makers contemplate reservation on such lines or the criteria in itself is so vague and shifting that it may not be possible to overlap the intent of affirmative action with it but now let's just first understand what is the basis for um, saying that uh, e- uh, e- uh, you know economically weaker sections cannot get reservations uh, we have to understand that our constitution is not just something which says that government should just leave people alone to do whatever they want to uh the government has an active mandate under the constitution to ensure a level of substantive equality and that means uh equality in the sense of not just status but also of opportunity so given that it was a heavily caste ridden society given that there were distinctions of race of language of uh, uh, religion and place of birth and so on the constitution has when it was uh, promulgated attempted to do away with all of those keep in, now let's see what reservations were for uh reservations were not for just grabbing power for someone it was not about saying that we are also entitled to a share in the power it was about undoing a structural problem and that structural problem would being that we have a 2000 year old system where some people because of their birth brahmins uh have access to education have had access to resources have enjoyed a higher status in society and that has been reinforced over the years so that means that equality is not just for the rich and the poor to equally be banned from sleeping on the benches but of you know having brahmins also put in the same uh, position as being able to compete with dalits so the position the purpose of uh, reservation was to give an equal opportunity uh, to give a real equal opportunity to sections of our society which had hitherto been excluded um, it started from the then provinces before it became like national policy in any sort of way now what does now what have reservations been historically been based on right they've been based on caste you know the scheduled caste and scheduled tribes uh, because they were they were both outside the margins of what is so called mainstream society um, and was also uh, and were also in a way deprived of the material benefits of being part of mainstream society uh, we have had reservations for obc which is again also on the basis of caste uh, but keep in mind obc in india does not always mean only hindu obc there are many states across this country which have included uh, muslim castes also as obc so 
what we therefore need to understand is that OBC is a slightly wider category than just caste, right? Um, in fact, even in, even scheduled caste should be wider than just Hindu castes. Uh, but unfortunately, the presidential order, which sort of denotes the list of caste, expressly excludes Dalit Christians and Dalit Muslims, even though they might suffer from the same disabilities uh, which uh, Hindu Dalits might uh, suffer. So we have had reservations for women. We have had reservations for persons with disabilities. Um, there are certain states which provide reservations for uh, people from rural areas, for people who have done their education in the native tongue. But uh, and and of uh, and of course, people who have done the education from that given area, it is the so-called domicile reservation. Uh, but this is for the first time, and at least this is what the constitution is enshrining, because there have been attempts in the past to give reservation on e to economically weaker sections. Just again, and I put that in quotes. Uh, but this particular time, it's a very interesting definition of economically weaker sections. It's not a definition which covers every single person who might have an income below a certain threshold or property below a certain threshold or not have a certain kind of job, you know. Uh, it is exclude, expressly excluding those communities which might otherwise enjoy reservation. So this economically weaker section only targets economically weaker sections of largely Brahmins and upper castes, uh, but also the castes which are excluded from reservations. For example, uh, Dalit Christians and Dalit Muslims. But it remains to be seen uh, and of course, upper caste among Muslims as well and Christians. But it remains to be seen if it in fact benefits those uh, communities which suffer f these disabilities as a result of their caste. There's a very interesting discussion in Indrasani and like this is not uh, to say that the judgment is perfect in every way. But there is a, dis uh, there is a lot of discussion in Indrasani about how poverty is not like um, India poverty and lack of access are as much as they are problems in and of themselves, they have an underlying cause. They are the symptom of the larger problem of caste and our constitution is trying to fight the larger problem of caste. So there is an understanding in the constitution that India has these structural inequalities, right? And we need to address them. So that mandate of article 14 is not just a, you know, government shouldn't discriminate between two people, but government also has the positive mandate to ensure that people are uh, so, uh, sort of brought on an equal footing. Um, the important thing being that reservation is not just an exception to Article 14. Let's keep that in mind. Reservation on the basis of caste and uh, so on are not exceptions to, but features of Article 14. They ensure equality. Now, economically weaker section reservations, and especially the economically weaker section reservations provided for under the 103rd Amendment, which expressly excludes um, those other communities who might have other reservations is not tackling an underlying cause for this discrimination. It is just tackling the symptoms. Nobody is saying that you should not tackle the symptoms. Nobody is saying that you should not have a, a scholarship uh, program for perhaps upper caste uh, students who, who may not be able to afford the fees. Nobody is saying that you, know, you can't uh, ensure that there are measures taken to ensure that poverty is not a reason for someone not to be able to access a job. But on the question of giving them a fixed number of positions in jobs and in educational institutions, which goes against the very idea of equality of opportunity. Because the fact is that you are looking at a very temporal situation of inequality. You are not looking at 
long term factors as to what is causing that inequality and as a result what you're going to do as a result of this measure is to reinforce a certain kind of inequality is to reinforce to say that your underlying the underlying basis of your privilege we will not attack or rather we will not try and address but we'll reinforce it by giving you a fixed 10% of whatever is the limit now the it it, it to me is a case of oh, oh, well of course uh, the 10% is a problem but conceptually conceptually what this particular reservation does under the 103rd amendment is to try and ensure that a certain percentage of upper castes are always represented in the for services or in uh, education uh, this to me is aimed at specifically finding something which might give them an access to ensure that they will uh, not lose that position exalted position in society and finding quote unquote poverty as the reason for it or calling them economically weaker section i think that is the problem and let me make it clear again it's not to say that state should not do anything for them it is just that reservations may go against the fundamental constitutional idea of equality and i'll say equality i mean equality in like at the in a very basic structure sense uh, when you talk about uh, basic structure look at how the uh, you know um, preamble defines uh, e uh, equality it is not just about some temporal equality or some idea of equality or some theoretical equality it is a very substantive notion of equality and the 103rd amendment goes quite contrary to that that is what i sort of uh, wanted to say carrying on with what you said in your answer about how this economic uh, ews reservation will eventually ensure that some particular uh, caste people continue to have jobs and may not uniformly apply on everyone so if we look into politics of reservation uh, you often write in ewn and one article on reservation was about claims of middle caste revisiting the rational for reservations where you discussed how claims of middle caste are pushing away Uh, from main reasoning of reservation so if we talk of uh, ews reservation in that context is the economic reservation a way to bracket the lower middle class considering what they have said in the orders on economic criteria at 8 lakh per annum into the that 10% and create more space for upper caste middle class and serve political interest uh so there is a very substantive difference between what the middle castes are asking for in the context of um, the demands by marathas jats kapus and so on um and this 10% ec uh, e e economically weaker section reservations um they the middle castes want to be included as obcs or specifically as a caste which is in some way educationally or socially backward now as long as indra sani remains good law uh, government will still have to make an assessment are these groups of people actually socially and economically backward Uh, do they lack access to education do they lack access to formal jobs what kinds of uh, was there a history of social discrimination against them now you can't say jats and marathas who enjoyed a certain political power by virtue of their caste face the historical discrimination in any way um was there like a history of uh, economic exploitation you won't find that this is just basically castes finding that they are slipping down the caste ladder in terms of material terms where they're finding that you know because of reservations even dalits whom they had thought were quote unquote beneath them are actually rising uh, uh, are actually rising socially um, whereas they find that there is still a strong upper caste domination of the institutions which they are trying to enter and they don't have the resources to be able to break that kind of domination 
the EWS reservation does not help them at all. Um, because all it does is to make is to force them to compete again with the same upper castes who are sort of blocking their social mobility upwards. Um, this does they, they wanted a re reservation for their caste as a group, not just say uh, so that large groups of people who might uh, otherwise generally meet broad criteria will fall within this group. And uh, even though uh, the limit of 50% has been breached by this 10%. It is possible that some state might argue that even we can breach 50% limit and give a special reservation to these middle castes. So I would ideally say we should keep these issue of reservation for these middle castes separate from the EWS reservation. A few might accidentally end up benefiting, but it is not aimed at benefiting them. Uh, it would, it, it cannot, I, I don't know if it was sold in politically as a way of uh, benefiting them, but it will not actually benefit them. Uh, it will essentially still put them in competition with uh, the upper castes uh, over the same uh, resources and it will not benefit say the some of the uh, more bet better off uh, uh, middle castes in this manner. So we have to keep that particular aspect in mind. Coming to that aspect which you raised that how this EWS quota breaching 50% limit can become a cause for misuse in future and like carrying on that with discussion further. So the cap of 50% reservation, the constitution does not mention such limit and states like Tamil Nadu have more than 60% reservation as well. Now recently in the Maratha Kota challenge in the Supreme Court, uh, it was I guess senior advocate Mukul Rothki who started with the argument that this reservation has to be reviewed with, uh, this Maratha Kota reservation has to be reviewed with EWS reservation. Uh, as 50% cap underlies the source of contention in both cases. You have written an article earlier in 2017 on this issue in relation to Patidas reservation demand. So is there an absolute answer and because I say absolute because it has been a topic of discussion and debate for so long since Indra Sani that whether 50% cap reservation can be exceeded or it's like an absolute limit which cannot be violated at all. So if you look at this idea of 50% cap on reservation, it actually dates back to the 60s uh, in, a, in a bunch of Supreme Court judgments which I've discussed in my uh, uh, article uh, in EPW. Those of you who want to check it out can go and look for the specific uh, citations there. But since the 60s, and if you actually go back and look at these judgments, there's no principle on the basis of which they say 50% is a cap. It's seen like a maybe this might be good if we have a 50% cap on reservation. It comes out of nowhere. It is simply the judges feeling that there is just uh, in, in Devadasan feeling that oh no, this, the reservation has gone too much out of hand. And keep in mind, uh, the Supreme Court has always been a largely male upper caste dominated institution. So when they say that uh, you know this 50% reservation is a cap, it it feels almost like saying oh my God, this far and no further. We don't want to uh, have our privileges re-examined to this much of an extent that the subaltern castes might come to even dominate those institutions which we were once dominating. Uh, Tamil Nadu has been able to get away with brief, brief, uh, breaching the 50% cap because of very peculiar specific constitutional and political circumstances. That case is still pending. Uh, no one has still uh, decided that case uh, in, the, in the context of the uh, state of uh, Tamil Nadu. IIR Coelho versus the state of Tamil Nadu still pending. Nobody has decided it. Um, and I think it's, it would be ripe to decide all these issues once and for all. Is the 50% limit some sort of a constitutional cap uh, on uh, reservations? And now that the government itself has said it can go beyond 50%, is that against the basic structure? To me, that 50% cap has no real basis and I don't see any solid constitutional basis for saying 60%, 50% cap. Um, what has to be seen is, are the people for whom seats are being reserved 
actually falling within those categories of people under the constitution who are required to be assisted by the state for this purpose um, and it does that does the particular reservation actually serve the purpose otherwise it feels like as if uh, you know they're being cut off from a certain level of uh, access to state resources and a very arbitrary limit uh, indra sani tries to say that they're trying to create a balance between the needs of uh, what do you call administration but they never explain why in educational institutions there should be 50% cap that that argument is never solidly fleshed out or made and i still feel that this is it's it's, it's like it, it it's almost as if judges have decided to make this arbitrary limit and enforce it even though they can't find a solid reason to say why it's a bad thing uh, so that's that's the problem with the 50% limit um i uh, in, in a sense that uh, i i don't i think that's the wrong debate to have i think the focus should still be does this community really need the reservation that they claim that they do or the government has tried to give them uh, other, uh, if if yes then uh, is the proportion in actually limited to the population um, if not uh, then why why not so i mean that kind of stuff is where the debate should be happening uh, not really is it 50% 60% 70% that's that's that to me is a futile debate it remained a very important aspect of the challenge in, in the recent maratakota case when it was effort and another when we talk of numericals uh, another important aspect is the 10% reservation which is specifically quotes on the hand and third constitutional amendment uh, in a conference with low and other things you mentioned that it's an overdetermination actually so like how do you like where do you see an issue with such arithmetic determination and will not such determination be anyway made by government orders later ideally yes um and to me this this is a I, i'm not de de determining whether it's a case of um, uh you know against the basic structure or not i just think in the context of uh, the reservation itself for the constitutional amendment itself to say 10% seems to be to be a case of overdetermination uh in the sense that if you think that there are actually more people with economically uh, uh, if you have done any research is there any way to say that this is uh, the 10% is what is actually needed uh, obviously we can't test constitutional amendments on arbitrariness but this is more of a larger argument on why this is a bad idea in general uh, if it is actually there are certain number of people who need this particular kind of reservation what is the logic in limiting them to just 10% is it that you are saying that only 10% of the uh, uh, rural uh, urban or rural poor are covered by this or is it that that is the how, how many people you have determined will be helped by this or is it double the number of people who will be helped by this we really don't know and that that is that is to me a sign of very bad drafting uh, that you have tried to over determine certain issues and cut off parliament's ability to suitably make laws as per the needs right and it also defeats the whole argument that this is definitely need i mean show what is the need that exactly 10% reservation is or up to 10% reservation and no more needs to be given right so this is where i think um, it's one of the problematic aspects of this 103rd amendment that it is not really able to show or there is nothing to suggest why the government thinks this kind of a reservation should be limited to only 10% above 50% so till now we have discussed like three points on ews uh, the economic criteria so which you you know have very well argued that may not go in line with the real intent of the reservation on the 50% cap you say it's not the real point of discussion and on over determination part you consider it as a part of you know improper drafting so will will like are there any other points which you think will be the touchstone for considering the uh, ews quotas constitutional validity and like what can be the other points if you want to consider the points on the constitution challenge for ews quota at least as far as the constitutional provisions themselves are concerned this is the issue now when it comes to the implementation legislation uh, 
um, there will be issues as to how to determine um, economically weaker section. And this is something that the government is going to have a lot of difficulty in actually coming up with a set of criteria which might stand scrutiny in court. Uh, because keep in mind, previous economically weaker section legislation have been struck down. Previous attempts to determine creepy layer in a very broad way have been struck down. Previous attempts to include groups which don't otherwise deserve reservation have been struck down. So we've had courts who have been quite active in striking down reservation uh, provisions. Uh, in, in the context of the EWS uh, reservations, of course, the case hasn't been taken up for hearing and obviously the court will not stay a constitutional amendment. Uh, but I think um, I, st I still feel that the criteria used to determine economically weaker sections are purely temporal criteria, that they don't actually address any cause for poverty, they don't actually address the underlying reasons for this poverty and just use a very superficial criteria to, uh, to try and solve a social problem which they're not. What they're effectively ending up doing is like creating a privileged class of people uh, who will always have this reservation, uh, I mean, irrespective of the fact that their caste has enjoyed certain privileges in the past. So I think that is uh, something, at least the actual criteria will cause these kinds of uh, issues. And they will also, I, I suppose, by the time this case is heard, there may be some years worth of data on uh, who are the people who have obtained an, uh, entry through e economically weaker section reservation. It may not be an argument raised specifically in court, but it will be something which will, of course, play on the court's mind. If you're only finding that a certain kind of upper caste person is making through these kinds of reservations, it would make the government's case that much weaker. But perhaps, and I'm not ruling it out, I'm only floating the possibility, uh, perhaps if you find that actually Dalit Muslims, Dalit Christians, uh, OBC Muslims, and those who don't enjoy the benefits of reservations are the ones who are making it through, then the court might feel, okay, it is actually helping groups of people who might otherwise have been left behind in the reservation uh, race. Um, and therefore, maybe they might seem it as constitutional. Now, nobody will obviously say this, but this is something that's going to play on the court's mind. Okay, so that was very well, you know, dealt in with respect to what kind of the major challenge for EWS quota. Uh, now, moving on to the, the trends in the reservation on the judicial sides. So the Supreme Court has recently referred its E.V. Chinaya case to a large bench. And the reason being the reconsideration on if subclassification is possible within SCST and the same standards as the auto, that of you know socially and backward class be applied on them too. And the court, while referring, if we ref, you know, read the order, quite emphasized on the observation that the benefits of reservation are not reaching few subgroups. So, I, the, so do you think it will be feasible to subclassify this already existing subclassification? And you know, with coming of EWS quota and now the subclassification, you know, there is a sort of wave which is disturbing the existing or the uh, real intent behind the reservation. Um, personally, I don't think so. Um, I do think that. Um, and this is of course for research to show uh, there is enough research to show that uh, there is uh, what do you call um, a certain dominance of certain castes even within reservation now obviously this is not dominance in the way in which brahmins might dominate an organization uh, but in the sense that certain castes which have had certain structural advantages um, have had uh, you know, people say children of people who have benefited reservations are not to saying they shouldn't benefit from reservations, but vis-a-vis -vis those of their own, uh, of other, uh, of people who have suffered similar discrimination, uh, some groups have enjoyed more uh, benefits than others. Um, there is a case to be made for subcategorization because it is already done in the context of OBC castes. 
um, not always perfectly but it is an accepted principle there um, ev chennai's reading i think uh, of the presidential order uh, was perhaps limited uh, i mean I, i'm not going into the specific reasoning of the latest supreme court judgment which has uh, like it, which has a very problematic notion of what what, what reservations are and how they should work um, but i do think that um, there is a reason to prioritize and subcategorize now subcategorize doesn't mean that you take a 10% reservation uh, for scheduled caste and make it 1% 1% 1% 1% for 10 different castes uh, that's that's not subcategorization uh, that just makes the process more complicated and self defeating what you would want to do and this is again uh, ideas that my friend anup surendranath has sort of written about and talked about might be to prioritize uh, and that's something actually what the punjab government uh, did um that in the context of uh, mazhabi sikhs uh, who are sikh dalits uh, that they will get a preference so for example uh, among the scheduled castes so those who have uh, say cleared uh, the minimum uh, rank uh, they uh, uh, those who belong to say mazhabi sikhs uh, will get the first preference and when you run out of mazhabi sikhs you will g- give it to uh, other dalit castes in punjab or in other places um karnataka for instance there are three to four categories of dalits who also mutually practice untouchability among themselves uh, in the sense that you will not find uh, them intermarrying or you know uh, breaking bread with each other and so on so you will you have this kind of internal hierarchies also uh, which uh, is a reproduction of brahmanism which is like the core of uh, casteism and therefore there is a need to uh, figure out how to ensure that the person who is most discriminated against um is given the first option so the, the uh, per se I, I ideally to me this should be that this is a case for going past that 50% limit in reservations and it's using very outdated census data um it is not uh, uh, it, it needs to be rethought in many different ways uh, but perhaps there may be a reason to expand the number of posts rather than just you know simply keep slicing and dicing further there is a need for uh, giving policies which uh, of having policies which might give preference to some communities over others in the context of reservations uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to say 1% for this 2% for that 3% and so on that only complicates the matters so that's that's broadly i think there's a reason to re- reexamine ev chennaiya i agree but not exactly for the reasons laid out by the supreme court constitution bench headed by arun mishra will it be like redefining the creamlier concept in itself the prioritization part of it it's a concept that again is very conceptually unsound uh, there's a lot of literature which sort of talks about how it it is not something that you can easily identify you just make up numbers and say anybody who has more than this is creamlier uh but it was i guess in a sense a problem with the way in which obcs uh, were classified now if you look at the works of someone like uh, dr nagraj he goes into the conceptual problems of trying to fit so many different castes into the idea of obcs uh there were artisanal castes who were possibly not scheduled tribe and these are all generally shudra castes um who did suffer from industrialization who lost their livelihood who suffered man, uh, material deprivation but in social status there might be those who may not be say as well off as the brahmins of the best caste but who might have lack of access to educational background 
but they may otherwise be politically numerous. So, you, for instance, you have Vokkaligas in Karnataka who are classified as an OBC, but they've always had some measure of political representation. The reason for first reservations was because they were being pushed out of political representation uh, in the Mysore princely state and in the British uh, because of the access to English education, which was in the hands of Brahmins. Uh, so, which is why that was only to bring them sort of at par to uh, Brahmins in the context of maintaining a stat political status, but was not uh, some measure to, uh, you know, uplift them for historical years of discrimination. So, which is where I think uh, this whole creamy layer concept is based on a flawed understanding of how castes work and is a flawed legal concept, which all it seems to do is to create this false impression uh, that there are uh, people who are really well off. Well, not exactly. Uh, who don't really need reservation, which is of course the myth which is always portrayed by upper caste uh, reservation uh, activists uh, who don't want reservations for anyone. Uh, but by and large, this, uh, again, it, it doesn't, uh, it, on the one hand, Indrasani says that, you know, all this poverty is the, I mean, uh, is the result of caste. But on the other hand, somehow believes that if you don't have poverty, then that caste is removed, or that caste thing is gone which is not true, which is just simply logically it is incorrect and logically it is false. So therefore, I think, uh, you know, uh, this criminal concept also needs to be rethought. Define the castes specifically. You might have to look for castes which have actually suffered that kind of deprivation and not just look at their political claims for being OBCs in any way. So that is, I think, the heart of this issue. Uh, of, uh, you know, a creamy layer, which needs to be also re-examined, I think, by the Supreme Court. Coming back to the a line which you said in your first part of the answer, like in, to the first question, eh, you said that reservation is not an exception to Article 14. So, and this is where my next question comes out. The, uh, an interesting development took place in Supreme Court last year where it struck down the 100% reservation for teachers in Andhra Pradesh. It has you know, sort of brought into light again how equality and affirmative action interact. So, in continuation of what you said, is reservation an exception to equality because then such a cap that 100% reservation cannot be done shall continue to subsist uh, or is reservation a facet of equality itself because then subjective conditions will be taken into consideration and maybe give scope for such large reservation and no cap, no cap uh, in certain situations so how do you substantiate this point further i would basically say yes because the reservations are a feature of substantive equality and as much reservations are needed to address the problem of substantive equality as i should be given so therefore a 50 percent limit seems to me to be not based on any proper philosophical understanding of how the constitution is so if you need 70 percent reservation you should have 70 percent reservation Coming to the Chabrulu Leela Prasad Rao case, which you referred to, which is the quote-unquote 100% reservation uh, among uh, Adivasi students. Uh, see, I think, firstly, it was wrongly framed as 100% reservation. It was not. Uh, the measure was, in fact, not something which you are saying there's underrepresentation of Adivasis in school areas, in, school, in schools, and therefore we're giving them a reservation. That's not what it was being done. It was, in fact, a measure to protect Adivasi culture and education and heritage, which came from the fifth schedule and not exactly from part three or part four. Um, it was to essentially ensure that the teachers of Adivasi children will be Adivasis themselves so that they are taught in a culturally appropriate way. And now and our constitution sort of makes it clear that Adivasis have a right to preserve their own culture and not be dragged into the mainstream against their will. 
uh, what the Supreme Court judgment has done is ba basically say that uh, you will be taught by people who know better than you, right? Not not by people who are steeped in your own culture or community. We are saying your culture is inferior. That everybody can anybody can teach you what uh, one two three is and. Therefore, uh, there cannot be 100% reservation. I think that's a very wrong way of approaching this case. Supreme Court completely misunderstood what the reservation was. In fact, the High Court judgment is a brilliant read on, on Adivasi rights and how they played out in the Constitution. I think the Supreme Court completely missed out on that aspect. So, which is why I think that Chebrulila Prasad Rao is not about 100% reservation. It is about protecting Adivasi rights. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, this whole debate about reservation has... It resulted in, a st in the striking down of a very beneficial provision for Adivasis. Okay, I think that gives you know, much more worth pondering upon and something more away from the legal aspects and to look into the intent and the subjective requirement of that particular reservation. And you know, also it will be very interesting to see how things happen around on it on ground because immediate reaction of tribal groups was not Correct. really happy with the yes. decision considering the grievance of chronic abstinism among teachers who did not belong to that remote areas where the schools were located. So I think uh, on that note, we can end this podcast. Uh, thank you, Mr. Alok, for thanks, Pranav, and, and sharing. Thanks, Pranav, and thanks to IJLPP for PPP for having. Uh, invited me to this uh, podcast. It was my pleasure speaking to you all. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the IGLPP podcast. We really enjoyed talking to Mr. Alok about something very important happening in the field of constitutional law. We especially liked when he talked about how EWS quota will limit the real reason for reservation in constitution and may even infringe and frustrate representative value for SCSTs through reservation and further how the lack of research in determining limits of EWS and its improper drafting. We have provided uh, the links to which were referred to in this podcast written by Mr. Alok Prasanna uh, in the description. Uh, so for more legal readings or if you'd like to reach out to us visit iglpb.com we are into our 12th issue and volume 7 issue 1 is now accepting entries check our website to know more details of submission we'll be seeing you next week thank you for listening to the podcast do not forget to check our website for more updates and legal articles you can follow us on twitter facebook and linkedin see you next time